Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for basis opinions. Today is July 28, 2022, and this is episode 346. My name is Jake English. I'm Jamie Burns, by the way. Just throwing that out there. I'm so excited. I can't tell you how excited to be on this podcast, the podcast that of note that I've fought for years to be our rival over at uh, Baltimore Sports Today with my boy Zach. But this is an honor, and on a day, what happened today, Jake, there's not a better time to talk to you, my friend. Well, I appreciate it. That is right. Scotty is on assignment this week in Aruba, so Jab has been kind enough to lend us a hand. On this week's show, we're going to go around the bases and uh, talk about what happened this week in Orioles baseball. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate for the show. That's right. It is time for the drink of the week. Uh, Jabby, what are you drinking? Hold on. I can't. I think I can hear it. I don't I think it's moving around a little bit. It's going to be really odd for the people that follow me, all three of you. Um, I like some Tito's and I like some lemonade. And when I say lemonade, I mean Crystal Light lemonade. And we put it together tonight. And when you put those things two together, it usually gets me where I need to be. I sometimes, Jake, and this will be crazy to you because I'm catching up to like, um, Michael Singletary, by the way. I don't know if anybody out there, football fans know I'm getting close to that, that number. Um, I throw a two and a half hour energy, not the whole five, but the two and a half hour energy as I go on vacation, just to make sure the heart is still there and, and rolling. So if you have any heart music, you can throw that in there in the bed at later on. You get the full five hour energy. You won't have a heart left. <laughs> no, sir. In honor of you, sir, I am drinking a Tito's infused drink myself. It is a Tito's and cola with lime. Ooh, it's always fancy with you guys, though. That's the thing. Like, like the thing is with Scotty. Scotty just comes in and says he's drinking some like 15% beer and he's fine, but he's standing upside down doing the show and he's six foot twelve. <laughs> yes, yes, it's all a lie. Uh, if you're interested to see what we're drinking on a daily or weekly basis, you can find us on Untap. I'm at Jake E four four zero two five. Scotty is at M A G N eight six zero six. Jabby, are you on the Untap? Do you do you flex about your beers? No, I actually just Untap from Untap, so I'm out. I uh, I unfollowed Untap. You can't ever find Jabby ever again. <laughs> you can't. It's pretty easy to find me. With that, we're going to go and see what happened 280 characters at a time this week on the Twitters. And, Jav, I'm going to start out with a tweet. I love the tweets in this format. This particular one came from Camden Chat. This was tweeted out today. Uh, the Orioles are now 50 and 49. Last year in 2021, the Orioles were 50 and 106. You would think that that, that framing would get old, but it never, ever does when i pull that up i thought you were like i just because candy chat such a great great resource too and i just like looked at it and i just saw 50 49 and i saw the 106 it's kind of like insane to even look at that and there's players on this team now that were on that team a year ago correct or two years ago like i mean it, like yeah it was a year ago right it, it's insane it's not just the adley effect are these kids just growing up well you know it's interesting you, you say that about the adley effect because you know and i don't I don't know the exact number, but I think that the Orioles are 12 games above 500 since Adley was was brought up. But a even better statistic has come to my attention. This is a tweet from John Oski. I hope it's Oski. I'm going to say Oski because it's the Orioles podcast. At the J Oski. The Baltimore Orioles have won two thirds of their games played <laughs> since the spaghetti bag night. And, and Jeff, I feel like that's it. That's the magic. That's the magic of Orioles baseball, it's the spaghetti bag. Are the Orioles letting you bring in food again? I, I mean, I've been to the games. I don't yes. remember. Okay, we're back into back to that party. But, but it has to be in a gallon-sized Ziploc bag. And so that's where the, the shots, that's where the shots of these people with uh, just Ziploc bags of spaghetti uh, come from. I think the rock one is fantastic, too. Let's see. Let's pull that right up here. That's the old rockster. My man, rockster. Best hair in the country. Nice arms. Uh, Mike Messina. Hibaldo Jimenez. Everybody, everybody remember Hibaldo Jimenez? So Mike Devereaux, by the way, also have been added to the guest list on August 5th 
to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Camden Yards. Here's the question I would ask you. Lucino was just added, first of all. Did no one, now I understand Mike's not the biggest guy that like probably doesn't get on Twitter. I guarantee he's not on Twitter. <laughs> guarantee he's not on any like Snap or any of the other social platforms, right? Did they like find him in his, his place in Pennsylvania in the mountains of Pennsylvania to find him to say, Hey, Mike, it's 30 years since, uh, Camden Yards is, I know you have all that Yankee hat when you were in the Hall of Fame. Could you maybe show up? I think it was Telegram. I think it was a singing <laughs> Telegram. <laughs> yes. This is the singing Telegram from the movie Clue. Does Jimenez, does Havaldo need to come? Well, that's the part I understand. No, I think he's going to hit a pothole <laughs> in the way. But is it just me, or is this list a little underwhelming? I mean... And not just this list, but, like, everything I've heard about the 30th anniversary, I look at the list and I'm like, eh. I mean, Cal's not going to be there because he had a quote-unquote uh, conflict. We haven't heard anything about uh, Adam Jones, right? When you think about the the players that played at Camden Yards... I feel like some of the big names are missing. You, you, you think you think a couple of them are big? Here's a guy, Nick Markakis. You ever heard of Nick Markakis? I mean, I watched him take BP when he was drafted by the Orioles, when I worked at the Orioles, in the warehouse window, watching him take BP when he was the skinniest guy, skinnier than you and Scott combined, um, hitting balls in the, in the gap like our boy Jackson Holiday. You know, spoiler alert, later on. Um, but to be able to, like – Nick Markakis, to me, is like my favorite Oriole, right? You couldn't – I'm pretty sure J.J. Hardy's not playing ping pong right now. You could probably get J.J. Hardy to come to it as well. I'm looking at all the tweets and going down on some of these things that these guys are saying. Like, what has happened? And the last thing I'll ask you is A.J.'s thirsty, and I love A.J. to pieces. He's a San Diego guy. Listen, but on Twitter, he's getting super thirsty. He wants his attention dollars, and he is not getting it from the Orioles. And I really have, to be honest with you, I don't know why. I don't know what happened. I don't know where the deal is, but Batman is thirsty and he's not getting the dollars that he deserves. We talk a lot on this show about how the Orioles are doing so many things on the field, right? And how they're doing so many things off the field, right? This seems like an unusual miss in this regime. I agree. Can I talk about the next tweet? I love this guy for some reason. And can I tell you why? I don't know this guy. I've never met him. And listen, if he listens to this show, I really do. Listen, Dylan, no one cares. You like the Eagles. Okay, I'm just, I'm done. I'm, uh, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. No one cares. You like the Eagles. Brian Westbrook was great, but no one cares. Okay, Dylan. Uh, Dylan Atkinson now on uh, Twitter. Good dude. I mean, from what I've heard, he seems like a pretty good dude. Uh, Brian Breaker has seen fortunes turn around for the better of the Orioles bullpen, right? Through the end of May, 20 innings, 5.66 ERA. By the way, 12 you you would kill for that. Uh, 2.92 FIP, 9.54 K to, you know, 9 rate. 3.05 base on balls there, right? Since the beginning of June. Like, by the way, that's terrible. Just, just, just to give everybody kind of like some context. And I know that you have very, very, um, educational people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody on this show listens and they're really smart. I went to Towson, Tiger Pride, 19.23 innings pitched, 2.29 ERA, 2 FIP. And I'll just tell you this, that K to nine rate is pretty good. 10.53 with a 3.66 base on. That is. Unbelievable way he's changed the thing. The thing about it, like this guy, is he keeps coming in. He looks like a softball guy that's coming in, and he's like, should be on your beer league team. And I feel like I'm not going as far as Sidney Ponson. I don't want to go as far as Sir Sidney, but when he comes in, I get to catch a little bit of vibe. And all that dude has been getting out people definitely since June and July. Brian Baker, I can't decide how I feel about him. I can't. There was a time where I was just not sure about him, and, and I feel like. <laughs> Seems like every time I catch him on the TV, I'm nervous. But I, I want Brian Baker. Nervous, I want You're Brian Baker's. Right. I want him to work because you know he, he throws darn near 100. He's all arms and legs. It seems like he can be another piece of that puzzle. He does multiple innings. He can do short stints. If Brian Baker can get right and and keep doing what he was doing in the month of June, or since the beginning of June rather, that the bullpen is just filth. On film. I mean, you think that Batista can help him too? Did you see that? Yeah, Did you see yeah, that Twitter today? <laughs> he threw a ball 100 miles an hour and then threw one 81. And it just dropped off his table. And the biggest thing on him was he didn't know where the ball was going. That's his big, that's the biggest problem, according to everybody was Batista didn't know where the ball was going. We don't want him. Okay. I'll take him. <laughs> My understanding is that'll hurt your feelings. <laughs> 
Unbelievable. Are you going to talk about this guy? Because this guy I respect a lot. That's my guy. I like this guy. You know, the thing is, is that this week on the Twitters has basically become like Matt Kremenser corner. He just shows up here so often. At Matt Kremenser on Twitter. Updated playoff odds for the Orioles. <laughs> Baseball reference, 17%. 538, 8%. Fangraphs, 3%. Now, I, I, he's not here to defend himself, so I don't want to, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but Scotty, Scotty said the Fangraphs seems a little low. Here's the deal. I'm not sold on the fact that uh, the Orioles' playoff chances should be much higher, if that. That seems okay to me. Yeah, I don't. First of all, there's a huge discrepancy, obviously, clearly, right? I will say, Baseball Reference also had them at, like, I think it was before the All Star break, was something as low as, like, 2%, or before the 11 game heater, or whatever it was. I mean, they've increased their odds. If you're looking at a stock, right? Their stock is like the crypto party back in like two years ago where it was just flying out of the out of the world here. My favorite part of this is when they use the gif of the big fat guy from the Nats. Tell me who that guy is. I'm staring at him again. He always makes that the big dumb face and he, he pitched the Nats. And can you it's, please tell me who that is? It's Fat Albers. Just making sure because I feel like Matt puts him up a lot. And I, and I think that 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 is a evergreen. Would that be the word there the kids use? Yes. That's an evergreen tweet right there. And keep that thing rolling. Shocker, the Orioles were up 4-1 in that picture too. That's that's all there was in Twitter. Twitter consisted of those five tweets. Yep, that's it. Twitter, Twitter. Rock you know, is lagging this week. Vacations. I I hear it's about to be sold. So they they were only allowed the five tweets. That's it. Should should anything else come out, we'll let you know about it. Yeah. But we are going to take this opportunity to uh, turn our attention to a little bit more serious a topic: the Orioles' well-being in this week's medical week. All right, Jab. So looking at the medical wing, I can't tell. I can't tell if we're in trouble or not. Jab, we've lost Jonathan Arauz. Are we going to be all right? I think we'll be because I don't, if he was sitting next to me in this podcast, I wouldn't know who he was. And this team's been pretty healthy so far this year. That was knocking on wood. Um, so I, I just want to make sure that the medical wing stays nice and tight. If we if we lose anybody, Arrows is probably the one to do. Tyler Wells had that. Uh, well, we don't know if it's an oblique or if it's a back. Where's Chris He's Davis? Let's ask Chris MRI Davis. Results. He had an oblique or two. I've been I've been talking up Tyler Wells yeah. all season. I think he's just been phenomenal in a in a rotation that makes no darn sense for how well they're doing. I hope it's not an oblique. I always think the worst. Um, and if they shut Tyler Wells down for the rest of the year. It's not the worst case scenario. The team control, he'll be back, whatever. We've already got means out. They got a lot of couple other guys out, but overall, he's already like, let's just say, Jake, I said to you, this is Tyler Wells numbers right now. He's out for the rest of the year. It's a what? It's definitely a win, right? I mean, no one expected this. He was closing games last year for God's sakes. Absolutely. The other thing is that because he was closing, because he was injured, because, you know, he's the rule five guy that he's got an innings cap anyway. Right. And so if he's out for any meaningful time this season or, you know, God forbid, if he's out for the rest of the season, I think that that helps the Orioles control his innings and bring him back healthy. The only the only downside to that is, you know, if he if he stops now at, you know, 50 innings or whatever he's at now, he doesn't get to get to 75 or 100 or whatever it is that they try to right. stretch. No, that, I get that. But as long as they he can come back and help this team in the future. And that's something, you know, spoiler alert again. Let's just. Play this out and, and see what happens. Stay to the plan, Jake. You're right, though, about uh, the Orioles being pretty knock on wood healthy. The medical wing is pretty empty. Let's let's close and lock yeah. the doors. And while we do that, uh, I'm going to refill okay. my drink, take a quick break. We'll come back and go around the bases.
All right, it's time again to go around the bases and look at the week that was in Orioles baseball. Jabby, I'm going to go ahead and start us off at first base. And I have a question for you, and I want you to think about this deeply. I want you to really examine it. My question to you is this. Have the Orioles peaked in 2022? Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> I thought about it. Um, and here, here's my thing. And I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. There's nothing more. And I'm wrong all the time, by the way, as you know. I couldn't be more wrong. Could this team play any higher of a ceiling than they're in right now? I mean, like the way they played the 11-game heater coming off that, going into the All-Star break, after the All-Star break, coming home and taking four. I mean, winning basically, like, I mean, I know the Yankee series, they didn't win. But in general, they went four and three against the Yankees and the Braves. They went one and 19 or one and 18 against the Braves last year. They're winning games. The other thing is they're in every game. Every game's 4-3. Every game's 5-4. Mateo hit a home run. Excuse my language. Home run? Oppy way. Two nights ago, right? Like, with an out. Like, and we're just like, well, we're going to win this game. You know what I mean? It kind of got a lot. It's got a lot of 2012 vibes to it. Don't get me wrong. 31-9 in one-run games in 2012. Fantastic year. Jim Johnson. With, I mean, everything, right? That's not this team. This team's not at that point. And there's too many teams there that are going to add and that they're going to get better. So in my opinion, we have peaked. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, I mean, it's a hundred games in the, into the season, Jake. We just went over the tweet from whatever 50 and 107. It, it, yes, it's okay to peak sometimes, right? And then hopefully just plateau the rest of the season. If they finish 500 for the rest of the season, first of all, I think Hyder should get some run. I really do. Um, and they're going to lose some pieces here in the next couple of days here. It's okay, fans. It's going to happen. Stick to the plan. But, yes, they peak to answer your question, and I did think about it. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's, it's really funny because my best hope is that they can play pretty well for the rest of the season. And I thought about this coming out of, coming out of the uh, All-Star break. I was talking to my wife. I said, you know, this really feels like the story, the story that we've been sold for too long. The script would have run. The Orioles get swept out of the Yankees series, and that's it. They just fall to pieces, and the season, you know, the 4-32 and 32 ending, right? They didn't, right? To your point, they they bested the Yankees and, uh, and Rays section of their schedule. If they could come anywhere near 500, if they could remain anywhere near eight games of the wild card race, you know, into the last yeah. weeks of the season, that would be huge. That would be a huge win compared to where we were last season and what we thought we were going to get this season. I I think, you know, the Orioles have probably peaked. This is probably as, as much as we can hope for. But just like you said, with all those games being close, even if this is as good as it gets, it is absolutely worth watching. Here's the other question I have for you. And I know we're going to get into gambling corner later, which I appreciate because it's a tip into my man Jeremy and Mogaba and everybody. Here's what I have for you. The over-under in Vegas with 59 and a half wins. The Orioles have singletary wins right now. Okay? Just let that sink in. Last time I checked, it's not even August yet. 59 and a half. Yeah. Wow. I'm not into numbers, but I'm telling you, Mike Singletary's creeping. Somebody's going to make a lot of money. Well, nobody bet on By the way, the Orioles were also 59 and a half with a slight lean towards the under, just to give it out there. Okay. That's how Vegas felt about it. So, it, to your point is, Yes, they peaked. And if they peaked, guess what? Just hang around and, and just be competitive. And the fan base is coming out. You see it. I mean, you were there the other night. It's not just the amount of fans. That's the thing I would like to talk to you about, too. It's not the amount of fans. It's the energy in the building and, and the people getting there and staying around, not expecting that this game's done. The bullpen will hang around. These guys are going to hang around. These guys are going to grind. It's, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's fun baseball to watch. And I think that's all that I think Oriole fans have been asking, whether or not you know, that wins or losses are there, they're seeing something that, that they want to see. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And you keep seeing, you know, on, on Twitter and everywhere else, people saying, man, I love this team, or, you know, gosh, I'm so happy. The thing that, that I really am, am blown away by is how much I missed baseball yeah. making me, like, legitimately <laughs> happy. And yeah. it has been so long yeah. that that has happened. You know, I find myself this season reminding myself, like, oh, God, that feels good. Like, I, I want another hit of that. Right. And you're talking to your kids about it too. But you have kids at the age where they're like, they're going to the game now and they're expecting a good game as opposed to 
you know, coming out of COVID and all that stuff, like just like, oh God, we gotta go there. Oh, we're going to the Orioles game. All right, cool. Are we leaving the seventh or whatever? You know, whatever. And these kids are jaded. I get it. I mean, we all grew up in the, you know, our kids grew up in the buck time and, and everything that was going on. But it really is now where you're there and you're staying till the end. And when you get a kid to stay till the end, I mean, you and I will stay till the end because, you know, as long as the beer is cold. All right, let's let's head ourselves into second base, and I want to talk about the trade deadline. Yep. Trade deadline is what next Tuesday, the second of August. And uh, look, there's a lot going on. Uh, the big question, clearly, is this: Yeah, the Orioles—they're winning games. Just came off that huge win uh, win streak. They're within striking distance of the uh, of the wild card. So clearly, they're buyers. Absolutely right? not. Um, they're not getting Soto. So just give guys a heads up right now. I will say this, though, Jake. I know this in, like, a dreamland, right? Let's say the Orioles were a really competitive team. How good would Soto look? And how many prospects could – we actually could put a package together to go after Soto. That's – I mean, I, listen, I understand it's not our time, but that's why you build your farm system. That's why the Padres are in a position right now to go get Soto. The Dodgers are always in a position. But I'm talking about markets that we can compare ourselves to. Um, the Orioles are in that mix. So just just – whole, you know, it's not going to happen because he's also a team control guy for three years. Just throw that out there. Um, no, we're not. We're definitely not buyers. I'm not sure we're complete sellers. I'm going to tell you this. After watching Batista enough, I love Lopez. I love the story. I love his kid. I love everything about him. But I don't get involved in emotions. I don't get involved in that. I think about what's going to happen down the line. He would be the first, in my opinion, the first to send to a competitive team because I feel like everybody wants bullpen arms, right? Send him out. And especially now, I do think that there's a regression to the mean for him as well. And I do think, but I'm not saying Batista is not going to have that. I'm saying that we're not in that spot. Mancini to me, and maybe I'm just coming off the emotion of the day. God, if this team wants to hang around this team and, and, and they don't get the right offer, don't trade him for some like, fledgling minor leaguer just for the heck of it. Let him stay. And you know what? If he goes somewhere at the end of the year, and I actually don't think he will, I'd be something I would love to talk to you about. I really think he would resign here. I think things have gone different since arbitration and since once they did this, because I do think that they thought, all right, listen, Trey, we give you this number. We want to send you somewhere. If he goes to the Mets and he plays with Buck and they both win a World Series, listen, Fountains and I'll do a parade. I'll do my own Pratt Street parade for those two down there, and then we can resign at the end of the year. That's fine. Santander is somebody that I really think could help another team. Switch hitter. I used to think he was a decent outfielder. He's pretty. The other part that I like about him, though, is he takes a lot of walks, or at least this year he takes a lot of walks. All the nerds tell me that this is the year he's took a lot of walks. He just seems like a guy that would fit in a lineup and really help a team um, down the stretch, whether it's National League or American League without the DH. So, I really think those are the two, those are the three that I would be like, I really would love to see Mancini stay. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody would. The problem always is, are you going to get something of value that is going to matter, right? The more I look at, at Mancini, I wonder, like, what kind of what kind of market is there really for him? And what kind of package would that reasonably bring back? And if we're going to get, like, two kids from Central America you know, who are 16 for Trey, I don't think that makes a whole lot of business sense, particularly because, you know, to to trade away Trey Mancini for what he means this year to the Orioles, to the fans, for basically nothing is a bad business decision. I don't know that it's the worst baseball decision, but it's absolutely a bad business decision. If they trade Trey Mancini for something meaningful, well, that's different. But this team is also not in a position where they necessarily need a whole lot of lottery tickets in the farm system because of their behavior over the last five years, whether it be in the draft, whether it be in, in moves that they've made. And so when I think about the payback, you know, what comes back, it becomes less and less convincing to me that they have to do this, right? Because that's the logic. You, you got to do this. This is just what you do. When you're rebuilding, this is what you do. The Tigers have to do this. We don't have to do this. That's what I mean. Like, it's not just the winning. It's just the environment that it's being built upon. And you need your leaders. As much people, as much people goof on Odor, right? There's a reason why he's on this team, right? It's just this one of these things where you build and build 
and you have some veterans that help these kids and learn. Like it's it's things off the field that I think a lot of people, a lot of fans don't really see. And I'm not saying I see it. I'm just saying like from what I've heard and talking to people, it's what builds inside there. And then you start believing in people and 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 you're like, and did you see today? I mean, everybody saw today, like the whole thing with Mo Gabba. Like, I mean, it's it's insane. Like it's let me ask you this. This this I think is the harder question and the 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 one that's more uncomfortable. Mancini, we obviously want to see him now. Does Mancini have a role on the next great Oriole club? No, he just doesn't. I mean, if these outfielders that are coming up are as good, and you're going to stick Mountcastle at first base, which he should because he can't do anything else, you play him at first base. And then these outfielders are even close because you're not going to get rid of Hayes and Mullins, right? And I think Hayes could be a center fielder. That's something I would love to talk to you about, and Hayes, Mancini, or Hayes Mullins, because I think Hayes is a better outfielder. But that's a whole other thing because Mullins is amazing. But if Stowers is there or some of these other guys that you're bringing up, and again, at some point you're going to use some of this capital and use it to trade because you're getting better. And now you're getting something in favor, you know, a.k.a. talking about what the Padres and Dodgers or everybody's trying to do for Soto. I, I kind of think that that's where we're at, where the Orioles are at now. So trading Mancini opens a spot for somebody else. Trading Santander opens a spot for somebody else, right? And it only helps – the long-term effect, which I think Elias has, um, to do that. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's more likely than not to happen, but I think it's not anywhere near fait accompli the way I thought it was at one point. And if we're talking about Mancini, where would you want to see him go? If you, if you had your crystal ball and they said Jake English, you go ahead and send him wherever you want, pal. I mean, I gotta I gotta be honest with you. I, I'm I'm not sure that I have a strong feeling one way or the other. Obviously, I want him to go somewhere where he can be successful. And you brought up the Mets and with, yeah, yeah, you bring the Mets and, and you, you, you bring up Buck. Yeah, that would, that'd be great. I just, I want him to go somewhere where he's going to have meaningful, a meaningful experience. Like I don't want it to be for nothing. Where do you, where do you want him not to go? Well, obviously you don't want him to go within the division. Like you can't, can't do that. Right. But, but also, I mean, I would hate for him to go to one of these clubs that's like, my my deepest fear, right, is that one of these clubs that's in the hunt, it's on the fringes, it's trying trying to add to their their wild card hopes and dreams, acquires Mancini and then tanks, right, and then finds themselves you know ten games out of the wild card race in the next you know three weeks, and it was all for naught. That's that would be the worst case. Because you're going to be following him no matter where he goes. I mean, I think all Royale fans. It was crazy to hear him talk after the game. And he wanted to be emotional. And they, I think the, the announcers did a fantastic job. I think it was um, uh, Kevin Brown who asked, like, what was that? Like, he stood up after that last inning and the eighth inning and kind of he was off after that. It just kind of, like, was waving to the crowd that was there. And and I think those are kind of things. When he said it was his ninth year, like, that to me made – and I'm already old. I mean, we all know that. But his ninth year makes me think, like, Jesus, I remember Trey coming out of Notre Dame. He played four years at Notre Dame. Um, so there's just, there's just something about him. And I think he would be invited back to the 30th anniversary, by the way, if the Orioles had one, I think Trey might be invited back, but I would have told you about Nick and Adam at this point. So who knows? All right. You mentioned the, the Padres and you mentioned the Mets. I know, uh-huh. I know it doesn't sound right, but I got a question for you and mm-hmm. it's, it's about your feels. All right. My, my observation is that, you know, when, uh, when Manny went out there, when Ryan Flaherty <laughs> went out there when Kirby, was yeah. out there, right? I feel like many an Oriole fan kind of adopted San Diego as, as you know a team that they cared about because so much of their heart went that way. And so, as a as a Padres guy, I got to ask you, how does it feel that some of that shine has left San Diego and has gone to New York for the Mets now the Bucks there? It's it's very interesting. If they when they play, it's actually kind of hard. I will tell you this: Buck wanted Flash on his staff more than anything in the world. And Bobby Guerin just said, nope, this guy's going to be a future manager. He's my guy. Buck loves Flash. So let's just leave it there. And I'd love to tell you stories about that. But that is who where they're at. I really like what they've done. I love Curbs. Um, hopefully he's doing all right. He was a little, he got some medical stuff and he's not in the medical wing here, but he was in the medical wing and everything is going okay. And he's back. And I, I, I it's interesting because I would like to see that group go and make a run a little bit. San Diego deserves that. That the, that group does deserve it because they do keep their baseball team in town. And I do think that they have a shot at Soto because I do think that they're in a position to do it. And if they put Tatis, Machado, and Soto in the top three of that lineup, I don't care who you are, you ain't going to be feeling pretty good. I would 
it'd be very difficult, but I'd probably have to root for the pods over, over, and, and, and the Showalters would understand. Well, I tell you, you know, I think the thing that would really throw them over the top is to get Soto and, and then Mancini. Like, clearly, you know, that would just, that would do it. All right, let's round third. Let's head into home plate. And I want to talk about the game that took place today, the Mo Gabba game. And, uh, you know, lots of the heartstrings. I was just pulling the heartstrings, sorry. I, I just want to start with this. Was the timing of this game good planning or bad planning? I- I'm a little perplexed at the fact that the Mo Gabba game was 12.45 on a Thursday, getaway. Was that because, you know, they, they wanted to make it kid-friendly was it because they were aware that it was the last game before the, the home game before the trade deadline? Or was yep. this poor planning? Because for me, I would have, if, if it were me, right, I would have made the Mo Gabba game fall in line with some giveaway that had 25,000 people in the stands. I would make people want to show up and I would want to, you know, make this a, a celebration as worthy of Mo. Instead, we got, you know, what we got today. You, you tell me, you, you get inside their heads and tell me what the Orioles were thinking. Well, first of all, how did they handle the Adley situation when he got brought up? I heard the podcast. I know what you guys thought. Um, he should have got brought up that Friday night before Christmas, but that's fine. As somebody that knows a little bit about inside that warehouse, there's not a lot of planning. And no offense. I, I think that there's, I think they're doing a better job. I do think that a lot of different things, but inside there, the nucleus of what's going on in there, they don't think bigger picture. I think it actually ended up working out. Again, as this season has gone perfectly for the Orioles, not just because how it happened, not just because Trey knocked a ball off a guy on right field space for inside the park home run, which I would love to talk about that they, they ruled it there. And I would like to say thank you to the ruler too, because that kind of helped me. But the, the idea that they did this ended up working out because of how many people actually showed up because it was Mogata. So like, as much as they botched it by not making a bigger night, they got a bigger number today because of it. You saw the signs. You saw the people out there. I, I just really think that they, it kind of fell in their lap and it ended up being a special day for all those people that were there. And to be fair, Jake, I mean, I, I know you work in, you know, corporate corporate world. It wasn't that bad outside today as I was landscaping. <laughs> I think they got lucky. As the, as the season's gone, I think they got lucky. All right. Fair. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, Mo Gavaday, all the feels, uh, tremendous story. Yeah, let's talk about Trey. Of course, the moment had to belong to Trey on, on this day of all days, the relationship that they had, the, the possible departure from Baltimore. He, he's got to be, you know, he's been in this, this slump. It had to be him today. Are you calling that, that hit off that guy's face? Oh, it had to be him. I will tell you this. I enjoyed watching that because when he hit the ball, if you watch this, and I, you and I know a little bit about baseball body language, his head went down with the quickness, right, and started running to first. He looked up, and he even said this in the press conference, he said he looked up and he saw the outfielder, and he plays right field for the Orioles many times on those days and saw Lowe putting his hand up and like, oh, crap, I can't see this. And he started – because Trey's not the – I mean, he's fast, but he's not Mateo. So it was like he had to get around there. I was nervous, Jake, when he came home and they threw the play. The play. I mean, he was out, by the way. I mean, that was a full send. You got to do the old full send podcast, right? Send that guy all the way down the line. You had to do that for, for Trey. And his slide was kind of like Little League and everything. It was just a Little League play. And I thought it perfect that Mo Gabba did that. And Mo Gabba also was the scorer today. I don't know if you knew this. He was the scorekeeper today for the Orioles. The official scorer gave him a, a home run, a hit on that. So you think that uh, the ball striking the uh, outfielder's face should not be a hit is what you're talking about. Can I, can I tell you this? I was sitting with my son Jackson and watching it, and he said, well, Dad, it didn't hit his glove. And I said, Jackson, if you drop that ball in right field, that's an error. And he goes, yeah, but Mogaba. And I was like, you know what? There's nothing I can say to that. It was Mogaba Day. You're right. Absolutely right. Trey got a bomb, deserved it. I mean, if that's his last play at Camden Yards, listen. He might be invited to the 40th anniversary. <laughs> he he might he might be. It was a special day. I I was a little disappointed at the time of the volume today because you know I I was at work and uh, you know if if any of my employers are listening, I was working incredibly yes. hard yeah. all day and I did not have uh, have my phone. <laughs> Thank you. I did not have my phone up on the on the brand all new uh, Masson app watching the game unfold while right. on a Zoom call. That did oh. not happen. Just if that were to happen, I I could imagine 
that a person would have a difficult time keeping a straight face while watching a ball bounce off the right fielder's cheekbone. It was it was one of the greatest performances of my life. He took that my like a he took that like a man. Yeah, he took that like a man too. I, I was so bummed watching that game that I I couldn't react, but I was I, I had to remain stoic. And I gotta be honest, I'll probably watch you know watch the game on repeat just to be able to to experience it in real time. It was perfect. I mean, it worked out perfectly for everybody involved. And um, you know, shout out to our boy Jeremy who who really has kind of spearheaded this whole situation and wasn't able to be there today, but. Um, I heard him on the morning show today and he just, I just knowing there, he would have, he, I sent him a, I just sent a text that just said, that's insane. <laughs> he just put like the, you know, the old love, you know, the heart, heart, heart emoji back. Like it was, um, you know, he was definitely watching. So, um, you know, shout out to, to Mogaba and all the guys there because Trey, Trey made it, it was, it, it's an unbelievable story. And, um, for that to happen, that'll be running on your, um, and you'll get to watch on that movie network all night. So don't worry. Well, I'll tell you what, that play, it was improbable. And while we calculate the odds, we should take a quick break and come back and maybe run some of those figures. All right, we all know what that music means. It means that somehow Scott Magnus has won Fantasy I don't believe it. Again, on episode 346. I don't either, because he's supposed to be terrible at that. This is the shtick. The, the, the intelligent person who can count beyond 10 <laughs> is supposed to lose. It's the way Bird's Eye View works. And for some reason, he is up 4-2 this season, having guessed. I'm going to say guessed. He, he didn't know. He guessed that Adley Rutschman would outperform CNL Perez as far as wins probability added. Uh, Rutschman had a .17. Perez had a .08. Well, that means that Scott won. But you know what? Scott is too well to attend this particular podcast, and so that means, Shabby Burns, you get to stand in his place, and you get to take the bow for Fantasy Boss. So it is up to you this week to select the category and then uh, make the selection for Scotty. So what Fantasy Boss category do you have for us? Well, first of all, your guy, you guys have like these, this crazy number, like deficit, like per nine, like all that stuff. Can I go with a guy that I have a feeling that's about to get on the opposite of a heater? Cause he's been on a heater for this past time. There are no rules here. Ramon Urias, right? I meant, right? He's been on a monster heater. He has been, according to Jason Lacafora, I don't know if you listen to Jason Lacafora, he's on the fan. He used to like the Red Sox. He has said that he gave out some numbers that in July, his numbers were equivalent to, I don't know if you heard of this guy, Aaron Judge. You heard of Aaron Judge? I've heard of him once or twice. I hear he really likes the new dimensions of our ballpark. <laughs> he really does. And he won't have to see it because we don't play them for three more times the rest of the year. You know who does not have a problem with the dimensions of our ballpark? Ramon Urias. Because he hits bombs over that left field wall and doesn't whine about it. Doesn't care. But you know what? He's going to go on a cooler it's cooler time for my man right here i'm gonna say his k rate is going to you do the number on the k rate and i'm taking the over on his k rate for this week i think mr urias is gonna have kind of a cooler week because his baseball card says one thing what he has done says another thing and mike rizzo has told me that they come pretty much down the middle so I'm going to say a man Urias is going to have a struggle play, struggle boss, and you can go ahead and equate it however you would like. Scott can't spell 10, and he's never going to listen to this, so it doesn't matter. So I would just go ahead and just say his Ks this week. You want to get a number on Ks for the week? We we can do uh, Ks for the week. Just I, I just want to make sure that you're, you're tracking what's going on. I do. By the way. Yeah. Ramon Urias this past week, mm-hmm. in the past seven games, had uh, 20, 20 plate appearances, yep. hit a 5%, a 5% K rate. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to say out of, let's just say he gets another uh, 20 plate appearances. I'm going to say you, you think it's going to be a lot. You're going to take the over. I'll put it right at 10. Yeah, that's great. I'm down. Plus, I want Scott to lose okay. anyways. So Scott, Scotty has the over on 10 strikeouts for uh, Ramon Urias. I have the under. It's easy money. It, it's easy money. It is. By the way, he's going to go on a heater and hit like five more homers this week against the Reds. Holy crap. He has been incredible. It, it defies logic. He has the hottest. Like, he hits the ball the hardest on the team. I was just saying this the other day. 
whenever he does hit a hit a bomb, it seems like he does not get cheated. Like I can't remember any home runs that just scrape over the wall. Nope. When he hits them, they are massive. Yes. Massive. Into the bullpen and Batista catches them. <laughs> it's a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. All right. So what what else are you what else are you betting on this week? So today I thought maybe it was a good play. I mean the Orioles were a lock. I mean that was easy money there. Trey Mancini RBI. I want to give a big uh, shout out to our guys over there. Uh, is it Dave? Who's Shiner? Who's the official scorebooker? Because I got to send him some roses or some Tito's or something like that. Because that RBI for Trey Mancini today was just I mean you know golf clap everything all you want orioles minus one and a half big fatty on i mean that play changed a lot of different ways for a lot of people um that that was fantastic um i do think that that coming up here i do like the orioles and the reds score some runs this week so if you're into that i do think that the weather is going to be a little warm in cincinnati this weekend i think that their pitching staff is a little you know i think the Orioles have seen some good pitching for the past seven days with the Yankees coming in, some bullpen guys coming in. The Rays always throw really good guys. I think the Orioles are going to really benefit from playing some some teams that don't have some starting pitching. Maybe Castillo just ends up in the Orioles dugout at the end of the week. Who knows? Um, and that takes him away another pitcher from them. But I do think there'll be some runs scored this week in the Orioles and Red series. And you know, it, it's been a while since I've seen All American Ballpark, but I feel like that's that's on the smaller side anyway. They they haven't moved their uh, wall back. Is <laughs> no. what what happened? They have not, but they will. <laughs> Alrighty, so that is that is it for Fantasy Boss. Uh, thanks, thanks for the easy money. I appreciate it. Uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, it'll be time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started and go first. My good for this week is Jorge Mateo. He has been a man on fire this week. And we've been talking all season about how fun Mateo is to to watch. Man on fire. Man on fire. (laughs) (laughs) We've been talking all season about how he's great to watch in the field, how much value he brings with what he does, how he's playing at at a gold glove caliber level, how he's exciting, how... He's so fast. When he gets on base, things are excited. Well, he got on base this past week. He had a 181 weighted runs creative plus. It wasn't just the homers, though they were fun. Mm-hmm. It Every time he got on base, he was a threat to do something sick, and he did. Jorge Mateo was so much fun this week. I think I couldn't agree more, and I want to add that, but I can't. So I'm going to go with my man, Batista. I brought him up a couple times. He has come in and changed who the Orioles are in a setup situation and now has an extra closer, right? So, you know, Lopez, I'm not giving him that loss on that. I hate that ghost runner bit, you know, whatever that, 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 that'll happen. His stuff was still good. I, I, I look at stuff as opposed to situational stuff. Batista's stuff is like, like lights out. Like if I'm a team, a contender, no offense to Lopez, I might want to go get him. Like people might want to get a look at Batista. He's 620. He's bigger than Scott, right? He throws a hundred. And then he's got this 81 to 85 mile an hour splitter. I threw a splitter. I mean, kids my age threw a splitter. We don't throw C splitters. His stuff is just unbelievable. He's all around the strike zone. And people always said, Scotty or uh, Jake would always say, well, he didn't know where he's going. Well, sometimes when you're a little nervous at the plate, you don't know where the pitch is coming. And the guy's six foot 20. Sometimes when he's throwing a hundred, you don't want to get too comfortable. And I've seen some bad swings and the last at bat, that guy tried to check swing it. I don't remember who it was. I think it was Low or one of the guys tried to check swing that one. And your boy Chirinas popped up like Mike Piazza, 2000 and, you know, 99, and just chucked it down to first base in the in the ending. Um, he's been my guy. I've just been really good. He's been dominant. And the thing that's crazy about him is that, you know, for me anyway, he came out of nowhere. This is a guy that the Orioles signed yeah. as a free agent yeah. in 2016. And, and really no pomp and circumstance in the minors. He finally gets up here, and he is the real deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, my bad this week is going to go to Ryan Mountcastle. He had a negative 30 weighted runs created plus. And, and here's the thing. I feel like Ryan Mountcastle is in a zone right now where he is swinging at everything. I brought this up, you know, 
It seems like he's got those uh, Adam Jones swinging at sliders vibes oh, right now. But hurt my heart. he just he looks like a guy who is trying too hard to get out of a funk. And it is not not fun to watch. It, in fact, is bad. He has been bad. Um, for me, it's, it's more on the pitching side of things. And this is going to come as kind of a odd thing because this guy went six innings today and kind of grinded. I think Lyles has kind of been not bad, and it's bad to say, but like he's been. First of all, he's dad. Let's just give it out for dad because dad's been fantastic. <laughs> I love the fact that he basically tells Hyder when he comes out, like he tries to shake his hand, and he's like, "Nope, it's in my pocket. That means I'm not coming out. You can, you know, eat it. You told me to eat innings, and that's the thing that he always brings up is eating innings. So this is a bad thing for his the way he's pitched in the past couple of weeks, but it's not. And today was a perfect example. He didn't have his best stuff again. We've heard that for the last couple of weeks, right? But he was put them in a position to what? To win, right? He walked a couple guys. He maybe worked his way. He was crafty today. He was, can we say crafty right-handers? Are we allowed to say right-handers are crafty? I, I mean, you're allowed. He was. And, you know, last time he faced Tampa, he really didn't have his stuff. And it was that Sunday where they just kind of got to him late in the game. He hung around today and gave that team a – and I just – I, it's a bad thing because he's not ugly, but he was bad. But if he's bad for us as a, as a starter, I'm going to take that every time. My my ugly, it's chalk. Sorry, but my ugly this week is all things Trey. You know, Trey, with the exception of bouncing a ball off the right fielder's face, has been scuffling <laughs> pretty hard. Over By the way, it was an inside the park home run. I don't know if you know that, but to put some respect on that inside the park home run. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's been he's been really struggling, and I wonder how much of that is is about the emotions of you know possibly leaving Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how much of that is him putting pressure on himself. It's been really hard to watch him swing and get nothing for it. It's been really hard to to think about the uncertainty, you know, the the, the life after Trey as an Orioles fan. It's just been really ugly over the last couple of weeks thinking about what might be, and you know we we enumerated all the. The issues associated with it, but it doesn't make it hurt any less. It's it sucked to have that be part of the Baltimore Orioles experience in the last week. No, and and I think that you know just a big shout out to him. I think he's done everything that he could. I mean, he's there's so many things going around in his head. I can't imagine and the way he handled it. And today, if today was his swan song, you know what? Big up because that that was perfect for me. Mine's more, and this guy doesn't play a tremendous amount. Tyler Nevin just doesn't really do anything for me. Listen, Phil Nevin was a Padre, and I should like him. I, I, I really do like the kid. I love the story when he was there or whatever. But, like, they keep putting him in, right? And and I'm just, I'm no Ryan McKenna guy, but when Ryan McKenna's in the game, I know he's going to catch the ball, right? He's fast. He wears the greatest headband ever. He's got great drip. Like, Nevin's just out there, and he's just – I'm not going to call him ugly because I feel bad saying that about any any human – it just doesn't do enough for me. And the way this team's playing, it's hard to find somebody that's super in ugly situation. But listen, it's Tyler and Evan. We don't really have a third baseman at this point until Gunner comes up. But I just, to me, when he's in the lineup, I do this. Ugh. I mean, anytime Mateo hits ahead of you, I mean, there's got to be something. Right about it's funny to me how we haven't had a Sunday lineup. Uh, for a long time because this team has been so bad. Like it's Today been, it's Sunday been Sunday lineups every day. Yeah, when you see Nevin, you know it's a Sunday. Oh, yeah. Right. And no Molly. Absolutely. All right, so that is the good. That is the bad. That's the ugly. Look, the game's getting long here. We're going to go to the pen. We're going to come back out and blow the safe. All right, blowing the save. Uh, we we got to talk about this. There's a little bit of tension in the room. Oh, All right, uh, Jab. Uh, you know, I, I've mentioned on this podcast in the past that that we've had the opportunity to coach, you know, across the diamond uh, from one another mm-hmm. in, in 12U baseball and well, what is becoming 12U baseball. And look, here's the thing: you you hung another dub on us uh, last time we we met, which means that, as far as I know, you've got the Mass and Cup, uh-huh. and I'm I'm just I want to be on the record. <laughs> I want to be on the record right now saying I'm coming back for it in 2023. We're going to get that cup back from it. We're going to take proper care of it because I know you just got it in the trunk. All right. 
We're going to take really nice care of it, and uh, I'm not sure you'll ever see it again. <laughs> so I'm not capable of, of talking trash, but my kids are. They should. And, again, when you say we won, that, that I won, I didn't do anything. I, I put a lineup out, and I swung my arm around and said, kids, as you know, I'm a very aggressive coach. I'm a very aggressive player. Um, that's kind of how we roll. Um, I loved I, there's nothing better than coaching, as you know, having those kids um, and just having you on the other side and watching that and just standing next to you and talking to you is some of the best things. And that's that I love the most. And, um, no, I will. I enjoy the competition. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll continue to, um, compete throughout the next coming years, but, um, you've got a good one on your, in, in your own stable over there at your place. And, uh, you know, he's could be the next Michael Phelps. He could be the next, you know, you know, who knows Mike Piazza, who knows, but Mike Piazza is a catcher that, I know you're young, but Mike Piazza caught for the Dodgers, and he was pretty good. Um, but I, I, I know it's the best thing ever, and and I hope you guys come in and bring it too, because we will we'll be ready. And that that is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Uh, Bird's Eye View is available to download wherever you get that to your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. What's Stitcher? Uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, many others. Uh, please remember to give a rate. That's a big thing is people give, rate, and review the show. You know what? We always say this. We don't care if you actually listen or all. Just download the dang thing and we get credit for it. That's all we care. We also appreciate the feedback and encourage other people to listen for the first time. I listen all the time. I love the Beatles and that's all I have to say. Scott, come back, please. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us all over social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. We're on the ticks and the talks. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-L. Jabby Burns, thank you so much for sitting in the hot seat, for helping me get through this. If we're looking for you on the Twitters, where do we find you? Um, DraftKings. Um, no, I, you find me at Jeffy Burns and, uh, on the Twitters, on the, the gram. I'm also on the book. I'm not a snapper or a, a stitcher. I Clearly, I, I got to look up stitcher. Um, I don't do that. But um, as my man Scotty would say, good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. With that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu, adieu. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.